Good day. Welcome to the Corey Morgan Show. This day isn't all that good. I mean, you know, everybody's seen it. The, the news is dominated by it. The, the Middle East has exploded into war again. Uh, the, the images are horrific. Israel and in Gaza everywhere. It just it just never seems to come to an end. So, yeah, of course, we're, we're going to talk predominantly about that today. It's going to be a, a big story, and it does impact us all, even if it is on the other side of the world, uh, particularly when we see some of the reactions coming from people over here in Canada and overseas, a lot of very embarrassing reactions. And there's been some good ones, you know, I'll talk a little later, but Justin Trudeau actually, I, I think has been some of the best leadership uh, demonstrated from him in, in his statements and things uh, since he's been elected. So, I mean, it's, it's a refreshing change because Lord knows I spent enough time explaining why Justin Trudeau is, is not a competent leader. I'm glad at least he found some, some strength this week. Um, as well, I'm going to have a guest on, of course, as, uh, as always, Dave Makachuk's going to come on. He's been on a number of times before. He writes for the Western Standard, and uh, he's always specialized in military things and that. And uh, yeah, this, this was booked a while ago. Dave's down in Washington, actually, at a show. It's the Association of the United States Army show. It's almost a military trade show. And uh, yeah, some people think, oh, of all times you're going to talk about this. Yeah, I know, but the show is on right now. And actually, there are some interesting things to examine and talk about there for one uh, something out of the canadian booth we'll talk about but uh as well i mean with modern arms believe it or not if we aren't gonna be able to escape from, from military actions uh, perhaps at least with some some newer more modern uh means of killing each other we can try to reduce it to the combatants as much as possible uh we haven't gotten to that world without war yet all right let's talk though anyway, i'll give my views on some of the stuff that's going on and something that's got to happen I want to talk about Gaza, and I want to talk about Hamas. And a lot of people don't, it is a complicated history over in the Middle East. It, it, things of territory has come, it's gone. Uh, Gaza used to be a piece of Egypt, and then it was uh, taken by Israel in 67, and then Israel gave it kind of back, independent, uh, 18 years ago, and, and it's just never been settled. Now, Hamas, it didn't emerge from a vacuum, you know. It was popularly, it is a popularly, supported organization in Gaza. It's their governing body, and it's been running them for 18 years. It was selected by the citizens of Gaza to represent it. They were elected initially. Now they haven't had elections since, but they put them in there. Now it's time for the citizens of Gaza to abandon Hamas, if only for their own sake. I mean, it's only when locals stop supporting and shielding the terrorist efforts of Hamas will those terrorist efforts come to an end. And when those terrorist efforts come to an end, Israel will stop retaliating. This is the cycle of events that has to happen. I mean, the active participants within Hamas might be in a minority, but it's looking like they still enjoy the support of most of the Gazans, if only passively, and that support has to end. I know that not every citizen of Gaza supports the terrorist act of Hamas, and, and I know that they're suffering under the retaliation. Innocent civilians are going to suffer, and they're going to get killed. I know it's easy for me to sit safely in Canada and tell people in Gaza to turn on their fellow Hamas members. I mean, these members are often friends, family, community leaders. I can't imagine the punishment for a citizen caught opposing Hamas and Hamas in Gaza right now. But when the option is having most of Gaza leveled in airstrikes and shelling, the loyalties to the terrorists of Hamas has to start weakening. They can't just sit back and keep blaming Israel. What's Israel expected to do? The scumbags of Hamas slaughtered people at a music festival. They murdered babies, raped women, and tortured them. They shot down entire families, and now they're holding hostages. Is Israel supposed to just shrug and let bygones be bygones? Not going to happen, guys. 
Israel isn't going to stop now until this threat is neutralized, and that threat is Hamas. It's going to be a long and bloody war if Hamas can continue hiding among the citizens of Gaza. The terrorists of Hamas and Hezbollah, they're cowards. They love using their own people as human shields. Cowardice is a hallmark of terrorism. I mean, they purposely put military installations in schools and hospitals and, of course, play victim when the inevitable retaliation occurs. I mean, clearly Israel had a breakdown in intelligence that allowed them to be caught so off guard when Hamas attacked last weekend. And I'm sure they're working feverishly to figure out what went wrong and we're going to prevent such a lapse from happening again. But how many Gazan citizens knew this attack was in the works? Tens of thousands of them must have known as the missiles were being stockpiled, the terrorists were being trained, and the plans were being made. None of them were in Israel, and all of them must have known what retaliation was going to come. And that's because tens of thousands of Gazans support the terrorists of Hamas, if not hundreds of thousands of them. But there are millions of people there in Gaza, and they surely know the retribution is going to be swift and unforgiving. They remain silent. If Gazans want the violence to end, they have to stop supporting Hamas. They have to stop feeding them, stop housing them, and stop donating to them. They need to stop hiding them and remaining silent when they know the terrorist acts are pending. No approach is going to stop all the violence that's surely coming in that we're going to be watching over the coming weeks, possibly months. But this violence isn't going to end until Hamas is gone. That's the way it is now. The world's not going to defend Hamas. Sure, there's some sympathetic left-wing journalists and union heads and academics, but when it comes to developed nations, civilized people, Hamas is on their own. They've been condemned roundly by nations, and sympathy for their plight as the Israeli uh, retaliation ramps up is going to be muted, to say the least. Hamas didn't even pretend to make their actions look like a military strike. They targeted civilians with the intent of being as inhuman and cruel as possible. They dug their own graves as they went so far over the line of humanity that no civilization can offer them sympathy. Hamas is a dead organization, even if they don't know it yet. And they're going to be brought down. The only question is by whom and how long it's going to take. If Gazans shed themselves of Hamas, the violence will end at least more quickly. And then leave them, you know, if they, if they leave the task to Israel, it's going to take a long time and it's going to be rough. They can only play victims for so long when they've been clearly supporting this horrific terror organization. However, the reign of Hamas comes to an end, it's coming to an end. Now, whenever it ends and Gazans start rebuilding, hopefully their new leadership can focus on the needs of their citizens rather than spending 18 years building bombs and fostering hate, as Hamas did. Israel pulled out of Gaza nearly 20 years ago. How long can they still be blamed for the mess there? Like I said, Egypt used to occupy that land. Can they be blamed too? And again, Egypt isn't in any hurry to have it back, that's for sure. Only Gazans can determine what's going to happen once this conflict settles down. Hopefully they're ready to look at ways of improving their state of affairs rather than just fostering more hate and tearing down their neighbors. All right. Well, that's what I've got this morning to start things off. Let's get on to our news editor, Dave Naylor, and see what else is going on out there. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Yeah, good afternoon, Corey. Uh, holy cow, what a mess uh, over there. I can just bring you up to date now with uh, the latest news that's happening a minute by minute. Uh, Israeli government uh, spokesman has confirmed that Canadians are, in fact, being held hostage. Uh, so far, we've got a... Uh, a uh, total of three Canadians killed. Not sure how many are being held hostage, but uh, uh, some Canadian citizens are being held hostage. Uh, the U.S. State Department today uh, confirmed 22 dead Americans so far, and obviously there'll be likely some Americans held hostage. And the U.S. has dispatched another aircraft carrier uh, to the region to uh, join the uh, the one that's uh, that's already there. And some uh, some news out of uh, from the bombings in Gaza, uh, where uh, 11 United Nations workers have been killed, and five 
uh, Red Cross and Red Crescent workers, uh, similar to the Red Cross uh, uh, workers, have been killed. And apparently, 30 kids were school were killed uh, when a bomb hit their school. Uh, why they were going to school, <laughs> I have no idea. But uh, yeah, it certainly changes minute by minute, doesn't it, Corey? Uh, and unfortunately, we're just going to be seeing a, a lot of terrible images for, for weeks to come, as I said. I mean, you know, the, the more we have social media to be able to share these things, I guess we're getting faster news, but it isn't pretty. Yeah. Uh, on the site right now, we've got a story that's uh, absolutely uh, going crazy viral. Uh, former Hamas leader uh, Marshall has called for a global jihad on Friday, uh, calling on the Muslims around the world to, uh, to rise up. Uh, Tory MP uh, Mark Strahl from uh, Chilliwack Hope has called for uh, Air Canada to uh, fire that pilot uh, who was photographed yesterday uh, wearing a Palestinian scarf and also tweeting uh, uh, stuff about Israel going to hell and uh, how Adolf Hitler would be uh, applauding Israel and their, and their movements now. Uh, and uh, just coming up, uh, we've got a story on an Alberta NDP candidate. Uh, no, sorry, not again. A candidate. She's a serving MLA, Calgary Klein MLA Lizette Teja, uh, going on a rant uh, about uh, uh, Israel committing genocide and uh, and uh, barbaric acts. Uh, if you want a break from all the Israeli coverage, our columnist uh, uh, Barry Cooper has got a story on uh, uh, Canada being uh, uh, ruled by ignoramuses. And you can see the blackface picture of uh, Trudeau there. So it uh, doesn't take much to figure out who he's, who he's talking about. And our columnist, uh, Barber, is making an argument for, uh, for limiting the number of uh, immigrants uh, that the, the, the Liberals plan to, uh, to uh, bring into the country. And OPEC, uh, sort of uh, stating the bleeding obvious, says uh, they are concerned with all these moves to uh, uh, the net zero movement and... Uh, uh, and basically saying the the demand for oil uh, is not going to go down for uh, for decades to come. So extremely busy news day, uh, Corey, and uh, uh, lots more to come. Uh, we were just putting up a story on a uh, Mount Royal University uh, professor uh, who has written some uh, interesting things, shall we say, about uh, uh, Israel and Palestine. And uh, I know uh, Mount Royal is set to put out a statement on it. So we'll have that for you uh, as soon as possible. All right, Dave, thanks. Well, we'll uh, let you get back to keeping up with all those updates and uh, see how things unfold. Yeah, if anything big uh, happens, Corey, uh, I'll come back in and uh, uh, tell the viewers about it. Great. Thanks, Dave. So that was our news editor, Dave Naylor. This is when I like to remind everybody, you guys watching on cable or you guys on our social media channels, the way we're hanging in there, guys, the way we can make it through this uh, world when uh, it's fallen to the wayside, but the government is shutting down news access to social media uh, is through subscribers. And uh, we've got a great amount of subscribers. They've been doing fantastic, and we appreciate them. And if you haven't subscribed yet, get on there, guys. WesternStandard.news slash membership. It's just like having a newspaper subscription in the past. As you can see, all those stories are coming up all the time. We are on top of things. We have reporters and we have columnists all over. Get past that paywall. Take out a subscription. And uh, again, as I said, if you already have, thank you. We really do appreciate it. So, I, you know, before I get to Dave, I see him getting set there from the show, uh, Mr. Makachuk. Uh, I, I just also want to point out, see, Canada has a problem being taken seriously on the world stage. It sounds like uh, Mr. Cooper and his column there is covering a bit of that. And, you know, 
I have been complimentary. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has actually said the right things. The two things that the hard left have a trouble talking about when it comes to this Middle Eastern thing, Justin Trudeau was very clear for a change and definitive on them. He called the actions of Hamas what they are. He called them terrorism, and he called them terrorists. Again, our CBC is afraid to use that word, but that's what they are, of course. I mean, what can you? What else could you call it? So, kudos to Prime Minister Trudeau for saying that. And the other second part, which is very important, was him saying that Israel has the right to defend itself, which it does. And I know some people keep getting upset about what's going on in Gaza. Well, what do you expect them to do? But then, as we start at least sounding like we're thinking things out and we are uh, you know, taking a rationed approach to things, we have our foreign affairs minister, Melanie Jolie, popping up at a news conference. And she's decked out, she's cut her hair short, and she's wearing a military-style blazer. She's following the liberal tradition of playing dress-up. She's now a wartime leader. She wants to look like uh, the president of Ukraine and sit there in her nice green uniform with the new pretty haircut. And you've lost every bit of ground where you started to sound like serious leaders, you clown, in one stupid move. How vacuous can you get? And let's not pretend that was an error in fashion. I, I mean, I don't expect her to come out dressed poorly, but you don't sit there and act as if you may come under assault in Ottawa at some point. You don't need to wear camouflage, Ms. Jolie. You just need to come across as a competent minister. And again, Canada starts looking just not serious. That's the problem we have. People don't take us seriously. How can you? All right. Thanks, Melanie. Uh, you know, carry on with your cosplay and... Uh, Maybe somebody uh, will enjoy the fetish play a little later with that. Okay, so let's get on to Dave Makachuk. He's out there in Washington, D.C. He's at the Association of the United States Army show, and he's been uh, uh, covering some of the displays there. Hey there, Dave. How's it going? Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Very good. Thank you. So, uh, and you've got someone with you. I'll let you introduce him, Mr. Makachuk. Yes, yes. Uh, he is Mr. Carl uh, Landrum, and he's vice president of uh, civilian programs and strategy at D-Drone. He's a drone expert, and he's going to explain uh, some of the products that his company is providing. They are partners with a huge company called Axon, which is right here. By the way, if you hear explosions, they have a theater here, and there's also a taser. Uh, people are getting a, a chance to fire tasers here, too, because Axon makes tasers as well. And uh, and they're 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 a huge company, and they're atypical. They're atypical of the kind of company that will come to AUSA. And uh, Carl will explain that. But I just wanted to say about uh, the uh, our minister who was wearing army clothes dress up. The military people walking around this show are real military, and they proudly wear their uniforms, and they wear their uniforms for a reason. They don't play army they are army and thank god that there are allies okay so i just wanted to get that <laughs> no problem it just floored me when i saw it this morning like holy cow oh that's ridiculous that's ridiculous i i just learned of it so i'm kind of shocked in any case um uh mr uh, uh landrum is going to explain about uh, he has some they've got some real exciting prod uh, pr products to show here and and uh he can explain to you uh, uh, better than I can, well, obviously, <laughs> uh, exactly uh, what it's about. So go ahead, uh, Carl. All right. All right. Th thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. And thanks, everybody, for uh, listening in. 
So I work for a company called D-Drone, and what we do is we are in the smart airspace security uh, business. We are a global company. We're operating at 500 different sites around the world and in 30 countries around the world right now, providing um, smart airspace security around the world. And here at D-Drone, we work on what we really are is we really are a software company. So we have a large, robust C2, a large sensor fusion engine, and we bring in all of that capability through utilizing artificial intelligence and machine learning. We have a very large machine learning team here that builds these models and these frameworks and allows these detections of drones in the area to be identified. And then if, depending upon where this is occurring around the world, if the operator, whether it's a soldier, an agent, an officer, whatever they actually are, if they have mitigation authority, then we actually will provide the ability for them to mitigate a drone that has been determined to be illicit or a threat. And by mitigate, they mean take it out, get rid of it. And I'm, we're standing actually right next to uh, their a mobile device, which uh, uses RF, correct? to detect it and then it switches to a radar and then it switches to a camera that can detect, uh, what was the distance, was it 20 kilometers? We, we have a very robust layered solution. So a lot of people will count on one of those, they'll count on RF, radar or camera. Through our artificial intelligence, the system will utilize all three of those types of sensors and will identify the location, localize that particular object while it's in the air it's very, very good. It'll weed out birds, airplanes, the things that it's not supposed to find. It'll actually categorize a drone and then bring in that picture of it, which is really important, especially if you're in a battle space somewhere, because you can determine whether or not that drone is carrying a payload by what you see on the screen. And then that will also elevate your decision-making process and uh, trying to mitigate that, whether or not you're going to do it and or how you're going to do it. And apparently that camera is so powerful. All it needs is what, two or three pixels? It, it, at three it? kilometers, it picks up the drone with four pixels only. So with the human eye, we still can't even see it on the screen yet. It still has to get closer about two kilometers out before we start seeing it on the screen. But the camera will actually detect it a kilometer out and you can see that positive detection lighten up. And, the, and this, we're talking about a mobile, a mobile system. It's mobile. You can, and it, what you said, it uh, packs into uh, uh, a bunch of uh, cases? The, the, newest, the newest system that we showed you a little while ago, that particular system is in, it sits on two towers. So we call it two stacks. One of them is all different RF capabilities. There's three different RF capabilities on that particular stack. The other one holds radar and camera. All of those, all of that system is called D-Drone Tactical. And that was done as a, you know, a rapid adaptation because the customer needed a way to be mobile mm -hmm. and be able to move that product quickly, set it up quickly and break it down quickly. So what it does, that entire system you saw breaks down into 11 Pelican cases. So you can move it in and out of vehicles easily, airplanes easily, up and down stairwells easily in order to get it set up in a rapid way. And like I said, that was really a, a company-wide rapid adaptation to what customers needed in the field. And, so this and, is predominantly a defensive system, though, right? It, it's mostly there 
for the protection of you know people. It's it's not an offensive sort of system, uh, though it has capability well, yeah, mitigation defensive. as you said. This is defensive. Yes, yes. It's, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. It, it sets up and it it does is it'll set up a defensive bubble around you, and then also if you as long as you have the authority to mitigate, then it can actually mitigate and be somewhat offensive in that respect. So in other words, uh, there was a case, I think, last year in South America where a South American leader came out on a stage to welcome people who had voted for him. And then all of a sudden, a drone attacked. This system would would eliminate that entirely. It would take care of that. You'd be able to, you know, it's also for base uh, security, base, full base security. And Axum has all kinds of, uh, 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 they do police cameras, they do... Uh, toss in robots where you throw it in and it has a camera and it'll drive around and uh, they have all kinds of security uh, equipment like that so it's it's really interesting it's 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 all cutting edge and you were talking about AI how does AI get because everybody's talking AI how does that affect your your, your so, product so the the way it works I, like I was explaining at the beginning so we we are a very robust software company that's that's what we are we do make product and we do integrate with products from other com from other companies we're integrated right now with 45 other companies what's really key about that is that if somebody over the past several years a lot of people that have been investing in this type in this type of technology they have spent millions of dollars in different types of sensors and bringing those capabilities. And, and if, they, if they engage with D-Drone and utilize our particular products, we would not only bring them all the futuristic stuff, everything that is new to market right now, but I can also integrate all of their existing products as well so they don't lose their investment that they've already put in over the past several years. And then, and then with all that, with our, with our machine learning team, what those guys, what those guys do is they're actually building machine learning models, and then those models are what's loaded up and be what become the artificial intelligence. So that's machine learning. We're talking about machine learning for these uh, these devices, right? Which is absolutely amazing. They can learn on on their own. So this this entire system, in the end, because of the AI, because of the artificial intelligence, this entire system will be able to operate autonomously. And the only part of it, and what we cause, is we no longer say like a man or woman in the loop. Now we say on the loop. And what that is, is that everything about this can be automated except for the actual hitting the mitigation button because that requires authority to do it in most places. So that you need a human involved to make the decision to hit the button to take that thing out of the sky. And by taking it out, it's 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 not. Uh, they don't crash into it. They take it down with RF. Right. We just take it. We just take it down. They right. Can take right, it down. Radio yeah, yeah. So anyway, so, uh, thanks, Carl. Appreciate this absolutely. very much. Thanks. Thank you for taking time for uh, talk to uh, Western Standard readers. And yes, uh, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. You can appreciate you can it. Th <laughs> Thank okay. you so much. Thanks, Carl. So anyway, I, I just wanted to uh, quickly tell you a little bit about AUSA. Um, uh, there, it is uh, uh, 700 different companies come here every year from 80 countries, and there are visitors from uh, 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 well, basically th about 35,000 people attend uh, over a week, and it, it uh, involves uh, uh, media like myself. 
uh, industry company workers, strictly uh, company and military from all over the world. I've seen I've seen uh, soldiers from Germany. I've seen uh, 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 from Egypt. I've seen every and everybody is here uh, company wise except for China and Russia. And Turkey decided not to come this year because they're doing better uh, in the Middle East and they're having a hard time breaking into the uh, 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 American markets. But uh, I mean, we're talking uh, the U.S. Uh, has billions of dollars to spend and they're all buying these companies come here to present their products and 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 uh, and talk to industry or military people in the U.S. Army. And also there's uh, uh, meetings, there's roundtables with U.S. generals, uh, there's demonstrations. Like I say, the Axon here has a, um, they have a theater. They actually have a theater where they're, <laughs> where they've made a film about their products. And it's, it's just really incredible. We're talking millions of dollars just to be here. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, they're obviously displaying some of the top of the line modern technology there. Uh, going a little further though, I'd heard, so you'd pop by Canada has a table there and, and getting to more uh, conventional uh, things. You asked about the uh, acquisition of the, the SIG uh, handguns. Well, yes, because the SIG, oh yeah, uh, we bought, apparently I didn't even know this, but uh, we got a, con a big contract from Six Hour for these new handguns, which they call Canada handguns. And they're really impressive devices. We, I, I think something like uh, 12,000 of them. And I, I went to the Canadian booth here. Then we have a booth. And there was a gentleman there at the table, a reception table. And I asked him, I said, so do you know anything about this? He said, no, I, I, I'm an expert in climate change. Well, did, did he well, give you a military show? We have somebody there who's an expert in climate change. Duh. Yeah. I, again, that comes back to how Canada just can't be taken seriously anymore. Exactly. It goes back to your point. I mean, why aren't we trying to sell uh, uh, Canadian products, military products? Apparently, we have some kind of new uh, uh, machine, or Arctic uh, machine that, that can haul things and uh, it's it, uh, it's a company that I just discovered uh, it, it, believe it or not this thing can if it falls through the ice it shoots out a hook and winches itself back up and that's made in Canada and that's something I'm going to write on as soon as I find out more about it I just discovered it here at the show which I thought was really interesting another thing I just wanted to say I'll hold you too much longer, but basically, the the, uh, the 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 war fighting is changing dynamically. Look at what's going on in Israel. War fighting is just changing dynamically, and basically, what it's doing is taking the war fighter away from the front. He doesn't have to be near the front. Everything is autonomous now. There's a D8 bulldozer upstairs massive thing and it can work autonomously it can do work and take all the bullets and nothing's going to happen to it the same with trucks same with uh, uh unmanned weapons the warfighter doesn't have to be on the front anymore it's pulling the warfighter back and letting machines with ai take over it's fascinating and we're on the cusp of it and it's huge here it's really huge 
Yeah, well, it sounds like like something out of a science fiction novel. I, I would hope, I guess, the, the only thing we can hope for is this will eventually mitigate civilian casualties in these conflicts. They find ways to get more accurate. It, it's The wars aren't going away as much as we'd like them to, but if we could try to keep them between the combatants, it would be, I guess, less horrible. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, it's just terrible what's happened to Israel, and that's... I, I don't know. I asked. Not a lot of people want to comment about that here. Their companies don't really want them to say much. But basically, it's a, from what I was talking to the regular soldiers, they say it's back to, as far as that situation, it's conventional warfare. It's going to be guerrilla warfare, conventional warfare, and it's going to be really nasty, very nasty. And I really feel a, a tremendous... Uh, uh, sympathy for all those uh, uh, victims, and it's it's just a, like Dave said, it's a it's a mess. It's just a terrible mess, and it's you know, unfortunately, this is the reality of 2023, and our prime minister, you know, is 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 uh, clueless, clueless. He's cutting the military at a time when we need to stand strong. We need to stand strong and support our military, and we should have a stronger position here. We really should. We should be uh, uh, working, because there's technologies here that could really help us. There really is. I mean, I even I even saw a new uh, detection system that they're selling to schools. Uh, 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 detection, you know, for uh, weapons and knives. There are two towers that cost $15,000. They're made by Chea in Italy. And, and the U, uh, U.S. schools are buying them. And you put them at the entrance to anywhere, schools anywhere, and they can detect weapons and, and uh, knives. And that's a technology that we could use. You know, we might because someday we may need that. Hopefully not soon, but someday we might. True anyway, enough. I just wanted to give you an idea of what's going on here. And it's, it's pretty exciting. There's lots going on. Well, I appreciate it. Well, thanks for, for checking in with us from down there, David. I'll uh, let you carry on. I know there's a lot to cover, and uh, yes. I look forward to your columns and, and talking to you when you get back. Yes, yes. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to file something on, on the show, and it's, uh, I'll send it in to Dave very soon. And then I'm going to head to the West End Bar. Right on. It's been a long week. Okay, it certainly has. Thanks, Dave. I'll, I'll talk to you again soon. Okay, take care. So that is our, our, our Dave Makachuk coming live, yeah, from the Association of the United States Army show. And yeah, you know, I, I, again, we're talking to, about an arms dealing show uh, when we're in the midst of seeing, you know, the, the, the terrible things happening in, in Israel right now. But as that's what I wanted to focus on. That was, was interesting, was listening to the defensive aspects. Like we still need the technology. Uh, some of the people talked about how did Israel get hit so hard? Uh, how were their pants down? And I mean, there was definitely an intelligence breakdown. But when you think of it, when you hear some of the numbers, initially they launched something like 2,000 missiles, 2,000 into Israel. And uh, yeah, it managed to cause uh, thousands of injuries and, and, and hundreds of deaths. But you look at those numbers, thousands of missiles. You see, there is that Iron Dome system that can only manage so much. But it, clearly it stopped a lot of those missiles, not enough but a lot. So, I mean, it wasn't a, a total failure as far as that goes. When we talk again, the term is mitigate. You, you can't eliminate, unfortunately, in these situations. Uh, as Dave talked about in the end, the next phase, we're seeing that coming along and what's happening over there. 
Uh, Israel's called up over 300,000 reservists. They're getting ready. They're going to go in on the ground. They're going to go door to door. They're going to root out the Hamas terrorists. And they're they're going to clean them out, and it's going to take a while. It's going to be street to street. It's going to be awful. We're, we're just seeing the beginning of this. I'm seeing some of the you know statements from some of the other folks, which is a fair comment, absolutely. You know, Langdon Industries saying the Middle East is the Middle East's problem. Uh, you know, other folks have said things along the lines of it's, it's their issue. But, guys, it's not. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. They got Canadian hostages there. They got American hostages there. We have citizens there. It impacts things all around. Unfortunately, whether you want to, you know, look at it like that or not, we can't just turn our backs on this. And there's part of, you know, you people are wondering, I mean, Hamas, they're crazy, they're bloodthirsty, they're vicious, but they're not stupid. I wish they were. They're not typically stupid. They know, they knew the hornet's nest they were poking. So what was their intent? I think for the true believers, the hardcores, they really do want to bring about the big Middle Eastern war. They want to bring about the end times. They want this battle to spread. They want it to go to Iran, to Saudi Arabia. They want the Middle East to come in and try to wipe Israel off the map. And that could spread even farther into other areas. And remember, that terrorism comes across the ocean over here at times too. You know, this stuff, this mess in the Middle East, uh, it was certainly an integral part of the World Trade Center bombing and a lot of other terrorist acts in other parts of the world. So we can't totally ignore it. We don't want to immerse ourselves in it. I'm not saying we should start sending what's left of our Canadian military into that mess or anything like that. I'm just saying this is a big problem. It's going to impact us whether we want a part of it or not. So we're hearing about uh, the United States has been sending a great number of warships and carriers over there. The United Kingdom's been doing so. I think Germany sent somebody over there too. They're, they're, they're moving in on the area. I don't think it's because they're eager to dive in. I'm sure it's because they don't want to. But it's the show of force to tell Iran, to tell Lebanon, to tell the others, guys, don't escalate this because it's going to end poorly. Let's not spread it out further. It's going to get a heck of a lot worse for you guys if you jump in on this mess. And uh, that's what that show of force is about. Let's hope this doesn't spread further. Uh and yeah, there's, there's no AI or other things that are going to stop the, the door-to-door uh, terrible aspects of this war as, as it's going to unfold and continue. So some of the commentary, some of the idiocy, some of the crap out there that's been going on over this already. You know, anti-Semitism. I, I understand there's people say opposing Israel's policies isn't necessarily anti-Semitism. No, it absolutely isn't. But <laughs> when you get a lot of the criticism of Israel, you don't have to scratch that hard quite often. Usually you do find a Jew hater underneath. And we're seeing them, guys. We're seeing them in spades. I'm seeing them on the extreme right and on the extreme left. It's actually a good mark of the extreme. It just seems to be the thing they'll always embrace when they hit the extremes, whether it's left or right, is let's blame the Jews. It's always been a favorite, hasn't it? <sighs> so I, I, here's a beauty of a, a tweet. This was out uh, this morning or yesterday. This is from Trudy Crow. She identifies herself as a proud liberal supporter of human rights, women's rights, and the LGBTQ community, lover of animals. Okay. But she was correcting a story that talked about the beheading of babies. And apparently it seems to have happened. I know some people are denying it, but yes, it sounds like it's happened. She corrected it though. She said they did not behead 40 babies. They only killed 40 and some were beheaded. That's literally what she said. Oh, Oh, well, if they didn't behead all of them, that's not so bad, right? <sighs> like, this is the idiocy. This is the level. This is where they're coming in to try and, 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 and soft sell what these monsters from Hamas did. Guys, the images that are coming out on the internet 
that we're seeing, I know a lot of us are trying to tear our eyes away from those images. They aren't coming from the IDF. They aren't coming from Israel. They're coming from Hamas themselves. These guys are showing off the atrocities they've been doing. This is not fake stuff, guys. It's not a false flag. And I tell you, if you want to get quickly blocked by me on Twitter, by all means, start down that crackpot road. Israel didn't bring it on themselves. Israel, are they the nicest player out there? Not by a long shot. No. No, they aren't. But they are the closest thing in the whole Middle East to a bastion of freedom. And that's just something that just I, I can never understand out of the left. You've only got one spot. The giant Middle East theocracies, human rights crap holes, terrible, uh, terrible respect for human rights throughout over there. Uh, no elections. They're, they're, they tend to be always uh, dictatorships. And uh, one spot, Israel, where you've got uh, a democracy, where it's legal to be gay, where they had a female leader decades ago. Yet the left hates them. They want Israel gone. They want the entire Middle East to be, I guess, a human rights dump. I listened to the idiot leader, Fred Hahn. He's from the Canadian Union of Public Employees. He's their Ontario leader. He's been going on about the evils of Israel and nasty and on and on. He has been outright. And we're not talking about somebody just criticizing Israel. There's people celebrating Hamas. Big difference between the two. And they are. They're celebrating Hamas. They're saying it's great what they've doing. Keep up the good work. Now, this Fred Hahn is openly gay. Fine. But how? How can you, Mr. Hahn, as a gay man, support the end of Israel? Because you know what? That's the only spot in that entire region for a thousand kilometers in every direction where a man like you won't be killed. You can go to Tel Aviv, hit the nightclubs, have a good time, do some cruising. Do that anywhere outside of there, and you'll be thrown off a building. You'll be thrown into a prison. You'll be tortured. You'll be charged. Yet you oppose that one country that allows people to live who they are and be all right with it. Why? I don't understand. I really don't. The, the tax-funded Canadian anti-hate network. Yeah, this is a neat one. They got a bunch of money. This bunch of jerks. Anti-hate network. See, they cloak themselves in these words. We are anti-hate, thus we must be good. Really? Most of what that anti-hate network has gone on about was the convoy. You know, the trucker's convoy in Ottawa. That was the terrible, big, odious thing going on. And then they, uh, you know, went on about uh, recently about the uh, March for uh, Children, you know, for, for the rights of parents. That, that was a big anti-hate issue for them to get onto. They haven't said a single thing in a week now. They won't touch this. They won't touch a bunch of people who were chanting, gas the Jews at some protests, people who were waving Hamas flags at some of these protests. No. Silent on that. Why? I mean, aren't you opposed to all hate? No, no, you aren't. You're only opposed to the hate that apparently is acceptable, uh, you know, to, to oppose with the left wing. I don't understand this weird cognitive dissonance of you people. I really don't. And I get sick of it. Uh, I mean, it's happening all over. So we're seeing the union heads doing that. The QP accounts, again, have been celebrating. And again, I'm not talking about being critical of Israel. They're celebrating the murderous slaughter of, again, uh, slaughter of people who went to a music festival. The slaughter of people who were peacefully sitting on a kibitz just, just trying to live their lives. They didn't go after military targets, these, these cowards. No, they, they went after civilians. And we have unions saying it was good. It's disgusting.
disgusting is what it is. And then they call themselves anti-hate people. Figure that one out. Ugh. Either way, we're going to be hearing about this for quite a while. And it's going to be, you know, a big issue. It's unavoidable. So I don't know. I, 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 let's hope to see things settle as, as, as easily, I guess, as, as rationally possible. But again, I keep asking people, there's a, there's a screaming about the response to Israel in Gaza right now. That Israel's warning them, at least. They're saying, get out of this section. Get away from these buildings because we are going to bomb it. And they bomb it because that's what they have to do. They've just been attacked. Did Hamas give Israel any warning? Hey, by the way, we're going to pop down and grab some women from the festival and rape and torture them and murder them and then go into the kibitzes and murder babies? I don't think they gave any warning. Why are you expecting that? Israel, again, is a, is, as a wartime nation, is being as nice. They've got the power to turn all of Gaza into dust. They could. They could in a minute. They could bomb that area completely level and then just build on top of it. They aren't doing that. There's going to be some civilians killed in, in Gaza who were perfectly innocent, and it's horrible. It's terrible. But the ones at fault are the terrorists who started this. Do not blame Israel. What do you expect them to do? That's the question I keep asking. What do you expect them to do? Just sit there then and let them keep fostering and, and creating these terrorists to keep attacking them? I mean, would you? If you were in a house and you had neighbors who kept coming over and raping your daughters and murdering your neighbors, you're just going to sit there? Please stop doing that. No, eventually you're going to fight back. And that's what's happening. Ah, we'll see what comes out of it. Other... Uh, ancillary, I guess, effects, you know, from this whole thing. Oil prices, yeah, they're going to be shooting through the roof. I guess in, in, in Western Canada, that'll be a benefit to us. I mean, we don't want to benefit on, on, on wartime things. Whenever the Middle East gets into, and, and it, it just never seems to end, right? It's every 10 years or so, there's another big conflict. So the oil prices are going to shoot through the roof. Um, hey, I, I think we're possibly maybe a uh, year and some away from having the uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion finished, though. I won't believe it until it's done. Uh, you know, Canada really could be supplying the world with, with safe, clean energy, but we just seem to be too busy stopping ourselves, virtue signaling. As Dave pointed out, you know, he's at a, uh, a trade show for military hardware, and the Canadian booth is manned by a person who doesn't even know about the purchase of handguns for Canadian soldiers. But he was there to talk about climate change. Wow, <laughs> we got our priorities right. Uh, so yeah, when the government's that ideological, when the government's that myopic and stupid, it's not that shocking, I guess, that we're not allowing ourselves to be positioned to at least financially, you know, maximize our returns on being an energy producing nation. No, we're shutting in our oil and gas. I know people are saying it's, it's still been rising. Yes, it is, but we're capped. And I mean, Western Canadian oil, you got to understand, we get nailed on the premium. We don't get as much per barrel for ours as other nations do. We don't get the West Texas price. We get the Western Canadian one because we only have one customer and we get knocked down on our price dramatically. And uh, this should have been resolved years and years ago, but uh, we're still dragging our butts on it. So as the oil spikes up through the roof, yet again, we won't be able to fill that uh, void very effectively. Uh, carry on, I guess. We'll fill as much as we can. Uh... The other big story in the news is the hockey season strikes off and gets going. Let's talk about virtue signaling. Why not, right? So I guess the Rainbow Pride tape, the NHL, has said, uh, no more. Not doing it. Nobody can have it. I, I, this, These stupid games. You remember, They're friggin' hockey players. I just want them watching play hockey. I don't care about the rest of this stuff. But 
fine, it has become an issue. The problem is they always, the virtue signalers make everybody else virtue signal with them and on their behalf. If, you know, those remembering the old Seinfeld episode with Kramer, you don't want to wear the ribbon, you don't want to wear the ribbon, you know, and they get on his case, but that's the truth of it. I, I, of course, I went and put it out on X. I said, why don't we try it? Because right now you're banning everybody from showing anything now. And before you were forcing everybody, you were forcing every player to wear pride stuff, even if they didn't agree with it. How about just letting the players choose for themselves? How about that? Eh? This player wants to put rainbow tape on his hockey stick. Let him. This one doesn't want to. Leave him alone. He doesn't want to. Is it really that complicated? But it is when it's the mob. And that's what it is. Social justice mobs. Virtue signaling clowns. They don't want to reason with people. They want to force people. Guess what? You force somebody to wear pride stuff. What you probably end up doing is making them more bitter. If they had an issue with LGBTQ people, that issue's only going to get worse. Leave them alone. But they can't. They can't. You didn't wear the ribbon? You didn't wear the ribbon? Ugh. Let's see. Other stuff we got going on. I mean, in Alberta, there's an activist named Taylor McNally. She's crazier than all get out. Uh, she's uh, on trial right now. So I'm sure the standard report, whenever that comes about, I think it's getting to the point of sentencing as she assaulted a police officer. She has a long, long history of assaulting people. She's a very violent person. But it's funny, again, the left is silent on her because she's an activist for their causes. But it's no less dangerous. Assault is assault. But either way, they're saying that uh, she shouldn't be sentenced that harshly because she was protesting against a police officer who had misbehaved. She didn't assault the police officer who had assaulted somebody. She assaulted a different police officer. But this is lefty logic. So if that officer misbehaved, I have the right to assault that officer over there. It doesn't work that way, Taylor. I hope they find her some help and get her medicated. I've run across her at a couple of events before in Calgary and area. And I tell you, we're going to see her in the news. And it's going to be really bad one of these times soon. She seems to be getting more and more violent every time she springs up. So watch for that. Watch for other things, guys. As I said to Dave, we're, uh, you know, covering things as fast and as hard as we can. There's lots breaking. It's constantly going on out there. We're in a crazy world right now. And uh, we've got to stay on top of things. And that's what we're about here at The Standard. We do write about these. I hope we find some lighter stuff to write about and for me to rant about in the future as well. But today... Yeah, it had to be dominated by this, this terrible war going on now in Israel and area. Either way, hope you all had a good Thanksgiving, guys. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to tune into the pipeline a little later. That's going to be on the same channels that this show airs on. And I will see you all again next week at this time. The current Lethbridge feed grain prices are as follows. Cash barley's at $345. Feed wheat's at $355. And corn is lower at 347 per metric ton. In the milling wheat markets, December Minneapolis futures lost 3.5 cents at 7.20, with local hard red spring bids for October movement at 9.60 per bushel. In the oil seeds, November canola futures are down $3.10 at 7.01.50 per ton, with delivered values for October movement at 15.57 per bushel. In the pulse markets, nearby red lentils are holding at 36.5 cents a pound and yellow peas remain at $10.75 per bushel. In the cattle markets, December live cattle increased to $1.62 at $186.62 per 100 weight. For more information on grain marketing, call me at 403-394-1711. I'm Sean Smith at Marketplace Commodities. Accurate real-time marketing information and pricing options. Canadian Shooting Sports Association, without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, 
long ago, these guys are on the front lines uh, helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada, and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. You become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny.